This is Cinema Activist, the official podcast of Lion's Den Productions, for filmmakers and cinephiles who crave context. Hey everyone, this is John Lyons. Thank you so much for listening. This is a bonus episode. I wanted to comment a little bit on the situation in Ukraine and how it's affecting things like natural gas prices here in the United States, which I think we're only going to see more of unless we actually make change, serious change. It's 2022. We've known about the climate crisis for decades. We're still completely dependent on fossil fuels, and the complications of that are not just that we continue to make the planet less inhabitable, but we are seeing that these dependencies are really messing with the economy after we all just went through a pandemic which hurt many of working-class people who now can't even afford to fill up their tank of gas to go to their terrible paying job. The Guardian reported in December that oil companies' profits soared to $170 billion in 2021 at the same time that U.S. gas prices rose. Obviously, this situation has only gotten worse since the end of 2021. In the third quarter of 2021 alone, 24 of the top oil and gas companies made more than $74 billion in net income. The analysis of major oil companies' financials shows that 11 out of this group of 24 gave payouts to shareholders worth more than $36.5 billion collectively in 2021, while a dozen of them bought back $8 billion worth of stock. This is important information to know because the the price of gas is soaring for each of us at the pump, and gas companies are not answering the calls to do their part to lower these gas prices by producing more. Now, as those of you know, (laughs) I have very mixed feelings about this because uh, I wrote and directed Unearth, a fracking horror movie. So I already have strong feelings against our dependence on these archaic, dirty, polluting industries as our source of energy. But of course we've put ourselves in this terrible situation where because of the situation with Russia attacking Ukraine, the markets are screwed up and we need to be drilling more gas in the short term to help people at the pump. And these oil and gas companies are not doing it because they are enjoying the high price of gasoline because they just can't 
get any less money. They can't enjoy life with one less billion dollars. As I was filling up recently, I saw one of those stickers that people have been putting on gas pumps. Uh, You will either see a Joe Biden sticker that says, I did that, or a Trump sticker that will say, Biden did that. And these gas pump sticker activists got me thinking because there's definitely similarities we're all feeling this pressure and in different ways we are on the same team and we don't really realize it so i posted to my personal facebook page this week with a photograph that i took of a trump sticker If the only time you've ever been passionately moved enough to do an activism is when the price of gas surpasses your personal comfort zone, you're not doing it right. Motivating people to the point of putting silly, uninformed stickers on gas pumps is both sad and telling. So much fundamental misunderstanding out there thanks to elite media distractions and a leadership vacuum. We did that, or rather, we allowed that. We checked out. Let's go Brandon activism is no different than Twitter hashtag activism. Both are empty gestures that change nothing. We're witnessing the complete failure of the neoliberal agenda in parallel with ecosystem in collapse. But there's common ground. The system is broken and only serves those in power. But we lack the voices under 80 years of age, in reference to Bernie, they can unify and motivate us constructively. We need uncorrupted voices who aren't captured by any political party or corporate interests. We need someone with a vision, with equity at its core. And I ask, where are leaders for today and tomorrow? If you're one of them listening to this, don't discredit our gas pump activists find a way to harness their energy for good. Numbers are our only strength when there's so much greed out there. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Film Grain podcast, which is hosted by the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, an awesome nonprofit organization, which uh, I've been involved in the leadership role of various capacities for over a decade now. And um, we were talking about the responsibility of filmmakers and journalists during this war in Ukraine. And Erica had asked on that podcast um, where we get our news sources. And I wasn't comfortable um, answering that on that podcast. But I will say on uh, my own podcast here that... I listen to and watch on YouTube Breaking Points, and I also listen to and watch the Bad Faith podcast. These are people that I personally trust very much. Mainly their focus is uh, where I feel all of ours should be, on finding common ground between us and holding power to account. It shouldn't be a battle of left versus right It's a top and bottom battle. It's a class battle. And the power structures are what's causing 
all of our problems today. And this is where I get my media and my uh, commentaries um, on the day-to-day because both Bad Faith and Breaking Points, they're long form. They're not uh, just looking for sound bites and to cause, uh, you know, play to our tribal uh, sides and to cause further separation of each of us into smaller and smaller groups. We unite (laughs) against the power structures. And Crystal did a, Crystal Ball on Breaking Points did a monologue recently, which is called, you can find it on YouTube, it's called, Does Fox News Want to Nationalize Big Oil? Which started out by calling out our eternal villain to humanity, Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, Um, who at this point is just an oil and gas lobbyist, as far as I'm concerned. But she talked about nationalization, um, which is the process of transforming privately owned assets into public assets by bringing them under the public ownership of a national government or state. Examples of this would be telecommunications and broadband, railways, buses, airlines, postal services, banks and water, things that we're very familiar with from a nationalized perspective. And this is not socialism, uh, of course, that is uh, going to be the quick rebuttal talking point to try and discredit uh, the conversation completely. But nationalization does not necessarily imply social ownership and the restructuring of the economic system. By itself, nationalization has nothing to do with socialism. Historically, states have carried out nationalizations for various different purposes under a wide variety of different political systems and economic systems across the globe. I'm going to link to Crystal Ball's video in the show notes for this episode. I will also be linking to The Guardian's uh, article about oil and gas companies' uh, record profits. But she mentions that energy production is an essential good or service for citizens and you can manage the cost in the near term and then do a controlled phase out to energy alternatives in the future. To me, this sounds like a great idea because if we are relying on, you know, the um, the COP summits that happen each year and the UN Uh, climate change reports to scare us into change or the industry itself to regulate itself or to eventually transition to cleaner energy solutions, we're never going to get there. The clock is running out. We are so reliant on oil and gas with with our day-to-day. This is energy is definitely an essential good or service that is needed for the well-being of all citizens of society, especially this country. It sounds like a great option to nationalize oil and gas so that we are not reliant on overseas energy sources and we could ramp up production now and then in an organized fashion phase out phase out natural gas and phase out all of the baggage that comes with it. Also here right close to home, there has been an update with International Recycling Group, or IRG, 
who wants to build a massive, supersized plastics processing facility right on Lake Erie. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I've made reference to this project for the, over the last year. Basically, the update is that IRG finalized its purchase of 25 acres where they want to build the facility on the lake for $1.23 million. This is, of course, taking advantage of the Federal Opportunity Zone, um, which provides tax incentives for those investing in capital gains. So this company has not only gotten a $9 million uh, initial investment from Erie Insurance and, of course, the Erie-based Plastec Group, but they're also going to be getting tax incentives. At the time of their initial pitch to the region, they said that the project would cost $100 million and create at least 50 jobs. Environmental groups... Uh, some of which that I had been involved in made the case, of course, of the risks and challenges of a company like this having this company on the lake. Their business model was essentially to import the nation's waste, the trash plastic that no one wants, and to shred it into small flakes and then ship those flakes across Lake Erie to Canada where they would incinerate those flakes and use them as an alternative in steel manufacturing. If you think of (laughs) all the issues with plastic and with pollution, this business model was terrible. Bringing in trash that no one wants along the lake, shredding that plastic into flakes that will be blowing all over the place, very lightweight, little flakes of plastic, bundling those up, shipping them across the lake where more of them will get into Lake Erie, and then burning them in an incinerator to make steel. Some of the people that are uh, the owners of IRG previously worked in steel, So, of course, they're seeing the dollar signs in this region with the shale production and fracking. And basically, these plastics plants basically just creates a circle that serves itself. You need to frack more gas so that we have more plastic so that we can keep that plastic around in the environment. And it just kind of like goes around and around and around. We need more plastic so that we can keep this plant going. And so that means we need to keep drilling. Terrible business model. So anyways, activists have been trying to get the word out on this situation. Now the owners are saying that their business model has has changed. Uh, I wonder why, because now they want an overall investment of $185 million, so nearly doubled. And of course, with that extra money that they need investment from, now they're expecting to create 300 jobs. And in addition, they're saying instead of their original plan, 
um, which they called producing reground plastic flake that now the plant will produce washed ready to use resin pellets and people that live for example just in the pittsburgh area in the south of pennsylvania know that these resin pellets are a problem in those places that create resin pellets there's all kinds of downstream effects with these little plastic pellets of course Plastech here in Erie, Pennsylvania is very excited about their partnership with IRG because, quote, this will allow us to dramatically increase the percentage of our products that contained recycled materials. Of course, IRG has recycling in their business name. Uh, everyone's using the word recycling as much as they possibly can so that they sound like they're an alternative uh, where they are just the same old, same old natural gas plastic. Theory Times News recently wrote uh, another non-critical supportive fluff piece for IRG about them purchasing the land, and they said in this article... While plastics recycling efforts have struggled financially in the past, the owners had said previously that IRG had a market to sell these lowest grade plastics, which is total bullshit, which are typically sent to a landfill. Yes, that's where most of it will actually go. To steel mills that can use the blended plastics to take the place of coke in the production of iron oxide but they now expect that only 10% of the plastics processed would be used for that purpose. So they continue to pivot as grassroots organizations in the Erie, Pennsylvania region continue to be the only people concerned enough to dig deeper into these industries and ask questions and call out their failed business models across the country. The Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, of which I have been uh, in a leadership role for over the past decade, we uh, featured the new documentary, The Story of Plastic, and spoke for 90 minutes in a Q&A last year. I will link that Q&A in the show notes to give you more information about the true story behind the plastics industry. Um, at this event, we invited regional leadership to attend. None of them attended, but plenty of citizens did, and it was a really fantastic conversation. I'll also reference that over a year ago, the Green New Deal Coalition, um, which is inactive at the moment, but was a fantastic organization of people from many walks of life, uh, young and old. They ran a series of Facebook Live events on greenwashing, problems with plastic processing plants, and more. Those videos have had thousands of views. Um, I was a, a member of that organization and very proud of their work. They also did the work for our local media and political leadership and sent them a four-page document in March of 2021 uh, exactly a year ago today, listing all of the questions that they should be asking IRG about this plastics processing plant. Uh, 
We've now had John Oliver on HBO, his series last week tonight, calling out plastics. And just last week, John Stewart's show on Apple TV Plus, The Problem with John Stewart, also called out plastics recycling as bogus and nothing but a product stream for oil and gas. But our leaders continue to turn their heads. The lowest point for me came when our mayor of, of Erie and the county executive offered up the ultimate betrayal. This was after all of the work of grassroots organizations to question the only narrative that was out there, um, which was the media basically just running press releases for IRG. The county executive and the mayor, they went all in for IRG and wrote a letter to the editor of the Erie Times stating that the IRG plant will bring living wage jobs and create a zero landfill recycling destination. My heart sank at that moment, not because I felt that they won, but because it was clear how captured this crop of leadership is today. I'm a writer, a filmmaker, a storyteller, and my weapon and talent is to use my words. With Unearth, I wanted to make a statement about the downstream effects of industry and how it is destroying our environment, destroying our families, destroying the livelihoods of many people, destroying the places that people call home. And we're all putting this profit over people. And I wanted to shine a spotlight on all of those situations. The sequel script that I've been working on with Shira Pettis, which we'll be talking about in upcoming episodes, continues this story and showing the downstream effects and how they continue on and are imported into cities. You know, people kind of turn their heads sometimes when they see just these isolated farm families that are going through these terrible situations of groundwater pollution and cancers and businesses going under. You know, they're small stories and it might be easier for some people to turn their heads. But what they don't realize is that the waste from these fracking sites needs to go somewhere. And a lot of times it ends up in the landfills of our cities and it's shocking and it's disgusting. And we need to, as storytellers, if you're moved by something, if something, some injustice in the world moves you, it is your opportunity to tell those stories and shine a spotlight on people who are greedy and only doing things in the short-term benefit and not looking at us as a species, as an ecosystem, as a connected people in a connected environment. And so I'm going to keep writing my stories. I hope you all will keep writing yours. And I hope eventually these fucking politicians and business leaders wake up and understand selfishly that they are only harming their own children with these stupid, foolish decisions. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Cinema Activist is produced by Lion's Den Productions. 
hosted by John C. Lyons. Music by Tony Gray. Support the efforts of Lions Den Productions by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Lions Den Productions. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.